Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, verses one to eight, and uh, this is gonna be our text for today. This is week 952 of a 4,000 part series. Um, <laughs> How many of you have listened to every message of this entire year in this series? How many of you have tracked with us? Okay, this is the first time. Somebody asked me this uh, just as they were coming in. Uh, do we normally preach this way? Uh, no, uh, not really, but we just felt like God was moving us into First and Second Peter. And I don't know about you, but I, I feel like it's been a very enriching uh, time of study over the past year. And uh, I, I'm excited for new content, new territory that we're gonna get into in the beginning of the year. But uh, we find ourselves in 2 Peter chapter three today. Before I jump into the actual text, I wanna just kinda highlight a few things that we need to understand about the text. First and foremost, we are skipping pretty much the entirety of chapter two um, because chapter two is pretty redundant when it comes to Peter's issue and his issue is false teachers and his desire to eviscerate them. And so um, we're skipping chapter two um, and uh, we're gonna jump into chapter three. Chapter three is where Peter is gonna begin to pivot our attention uh, towards a really big scriptural issue, and that is the return of King Jesus, the end of days. And uh, if you are a person that maybe hasn't, you've been kicking the tires on faith, uh, this is your first time back in church in a long time, you've never been to church before, one of our co uh, core doctrinal truths is this right here, and I'm gonna just paraphrase it and keep it simple. This is what we believe. Jesus is our risen Savior, and he's our returning Savior. Okay? So, so that's... That's taking a lot of years of doctrine and just distilling it down for us, right? He is our risen savior and he's our returning savior. And so it's this idea that we keep our eyes up, always looking for uh, Christ's return, but at the same time as we've got work to do in the here and now, this side of heaven. And so Peter's gonna be shifting our attention towards that reality. And so in October, we're gonna be diving into a, um, a lot of conversation, honestly, that uh, has been requested by you. Um, a lot of you have just come to me, emailed me, um, even just catching me in the lobby saying like, hey, are you ever gonna talk about like revelation and some of those things? Peter gets a bit revelatory at the end. And so we're gonna take, because I thought it'd be fun, October and November, <laughs> Um, to, to bring some conversation just around uh, the, the end of days. And, and I'm actually really excited about this content because we're gonna look at it very differently. It should not be spooky. It should not be scary. Uh, there's some things that Revelation teaches us uh, about our church now and how we should live in light of eternity. Um, Revelation talks about the beauty and the majesty of God. And then there's just some wild and out stuff in Revelation that just will be fun. And um, <laughs> we're gonna dig into it. And so uh, stick with us over the, uh, over the backside of this year. And uh, I think there's gonna be some really, really cool things that we discuss. Second Peter chapter three, verses one to eight says this. Dear friends, this is, how the second, this is now the second letter I've written to you in both letters. I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder. Pastor Erica talked about this idea of remembrance last week. What a message. Come on, did you get something out of that message last week? So good. And, uh, and he says this, I wanna stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. Above all, be aware of this. Now this is why when you're studying your Bible, punctuation is really important to pay attention to. So Peter's gonna give us a thought and something that we need to be paying attention to and those who are reading it uh, originally. He says this, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires, saying, now he quotes, where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue 
as they have been since the beginning of creation. Now I'm gonna pause for a second and paraphrase what they were saying. This is what uh, Peter was trying to deal with. He was simply saying that false teachers and scoffers and people were saying, man, uh, Jesus hasn't come back yet and it doesn't look like anything's changed since the beginning. So because God wasn't seemingly involved in their current situation, they were taking issue with whether Jesus was actually gonna come back or not. You ever been there before? Because it doesn't seem like God is moving now, how can I trust him to move then? And so that's really what, what Peter's dealing with in this section of scripture, verse five. And then he says this, they deliberately overlook this. Now he's gonna tell us what they overlook by way of a colon. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago and the earth was brought about from water and through water. This is what they overlooked. They overlooked the fact that God's word is what put everything into motion. It's God's word that holds everything in balance. It's God's word that keeps everything on its access. It's God's word that breathed life into you and I. It's God's word that gives us provision. It's God's word that tells us that he has a plan and a purpose. It's God's word. And he says, they overlook this. They deliberately overlook this. Verse six, through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So there's now this revelatory spin, this attention that he's gazing upon the last days of. And then he says this, dear friends, every shout friends. friends. He wants us to know that he loves us. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. Once again, colon, this is the fact that he doesn't want us to overlook. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. My goodness, that's good news. This is what I want us to hear today. Here's the truth Peter's trying to proclaim. God's delay is actually proof that he has a plan. God's delay is proof that he has a plan. And so today, as we continue on in our series, you are here. I wanna speak to you from this subject. If you're taking notes today, write this down. This is the title of my message today. A cosmic misunderstanding. A cosmic misunderstanding as we deal with the issue of time and delay. we pray with me just one more time today? Father, we thank you for your word, that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, and it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. So speak to us now. Our minds are ready, our hearts are ready to receive the seed of your word today. And I pray that that seed would take root and that it would flourish, it would bear fruit in our lives, changing us from the inside out. So God, we love you and we worship you. Speak to us now, move me out of the way. We need your words for our life, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shouted? Amen. Amen. Uh, show of hands, how many of you hate being late? Come on, all right, cool. A lot, lot of you, hate's a strong word. Hate's a strong word. Severely dislike being late. Uh, I don't like being late, it's not like, uh, now I'm not perfect, mind you, I'm not perfect. At, at this issue, um, I'm long-winded, and so uh, many times my words take me into lateness, but anyways, um, 
Uh, all the same, I don't like being late. I don't like being late to appointments. That is for sure a thing in our household. Uh, I'm constantly pushing our family to like, come on, let's go, let's go. And Erica's like, there's 20 minutes left. And I'm like, I know how this goes, okay? <laughs> and so, so I'm constantly moving our kids like forward, forward. And I don't, I don't like, I just, I, I struggle with, with being late. Um, the other thing that I struggle with is the amount of times my kids desire to ask us what time it is. Parents, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Does anybody else have a child who wants to know what time it is every 37 seconds of the day, okay? And maybe, no, maybe it's just mine because they grew up with a dad who um, doesn't like being late. But my kids are constantly, what time is it? What time is it? And we're like, why? Are you going somewhere? Do you have a date that I'm unaware of? Like, you're 12, <laughs> right? Like, there, there's, there's all these moments. They click on my phone and we're like, why are you touching my phone? And they're like, I'm just looking at the time. Why? So they're, they're fascinated by time. And so as I've examined this and I've looked at this, how many of you agree with me? Like humanity as a whole, we take issue with time. Yeah. We're focused on time, right? We had a whole Disney character created for time. I'm late, I'm late for a very important date. You remember that one? <laughs> and it speaks to us because that's how a lot of us roll many times. We're fascinated. Have you ever been in a conversation, even recently, that while you're in the conversation, pay attention to it. Now you're all gonna freak out over the whole week as you pay attention to what people do in the conversations where they look at their watch. You ever been there before? And they're not looking for a text message that just came in. They're, they're time. We just pay attention to time. Or how many times the, during a conversation? Okay. Some of you are looking at time right now because you're like, he's already going over. <laughs> what time's that game again? Time. And uh, this is the cosmic misunderstanding. That's why I've entitled this message is because humans as a whole, we don't understand time and delay. And not only do we not understand it, we struggle with it. And I say this because we view everything through the lens of time. And the truth is, is that we struggle with time in one way or another, and not time as in hours or minutes, although for some of us it's a real issue, I think what we struggle with the most is a product of time, and that is the delay that seems to be associated with time. How many of you would agree with me we struggle with waiting? We struggle with when, when things are, are delayed. I, I can prove it. Just let me be around you when the Wi-Fi goes down. Right? It's amazing what people become when the Wi-Fi goes down, myself included. Wi-Fi's out and you're like, right? Like, I thought this was 5G. <laughs> so delay is a tricky one for us to navigate, especially when it comes to things, come on, that we're greatly anticipating. But we can take comfort because it's not, a, it's not a new issue. Look at this interaction between Jesus and his disciples. I love this. Acts chapter one, verses four to seven. It says this, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This was the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he said, you've heard me speak about for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Man, that's like, that's anticipatory language, isn't it? Like how many of you in this moment, after being with Jesus, after everything that's just happened, he's saying, I'm, I'm about to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Like there, that's excitement right there and, and, and everything that's gonna come out of that. And then, and then this is what happens. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? Well, no, he just said he was gonna baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Nothing about restoration of kingdom but they've got another thing on their mind. And he said to them, this is Jesus being savage again. He said, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, 
So what's he dealing with? He's dealing with their issue of time and delay. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So see, it's not just kids asking what time is it. Paul, speaking to the Philippian church, would deal with the issue of time, delay, and how God works out his process in his people. Listen to a few sections of his letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter one, verses three to six says this, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So what's he dealing with? He's helping the Philippians understand like God started something in you. He's going to complete something with you in you. So please don't freak out in the time in between. Don't be bothered by the delay. Philippians chapter two, verses 12 to 13. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to, here it is, his good purpose. And how many of you would agree with that many times we get frustrated at God's purpose because God's purpose includes delay? There's a withholding at times that's found in his, in his purpose. Philippians chapter three, verses 12 to 14. Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've also been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, so here's this time language again, and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prized promise by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So you say, I'm working through the process here. I'm, I'm going through things and I'm gonna forget what's behind me and I'm gonna press forward into what's ahead of me, time. The theologian A.W. Tozer said it like this, and this is, this is such a beautiful, beautiful quote. This is what he says. He says, how completely satisfying to turn from our limitations to a God who has none. Eternal years lie in his heart. For him, time does not pass, it remains. And those who are in Christ share with him all the riches of limitless time and endless years. God never hurries. Come on, how many of you dislike that part? You're like, fine, can you let go a bit quicker? <laughs> God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves. And then he says this, for those out of Christ, time is a devouring beast. We struggle with time and delay. I mean, if we're honest, waiting is a very difficult reality for us because for most of us, if not all of us, how many of us would admit this morning, we don't know what to do while we wait. You ever noticed that before? Like, it's a, it's a struggle to, to wait. We were just on vacation this, in July. We took the family to, took the family to Disney World, and uh, that was fun. Um, and Florida was quite muggy and hot, and so one of the things that you had to get really good at while you're at Disney World was waiting. The lines were insane. You're sweating, there's bugs, there's people, they're too close, there was a few shoulder rubs, and I was uncomfortable with it, right? And so I'm standing in line, and I was fascinated by the amount of people, and not that it's bad, I'm not saying that it's overtly bad, I just wanna use it as an illustration to help us understand we struggle with time. How many people would just pull out their phone and we're on it. There wasn't a head up in the row. So just as a little qualifier, if you ever wanna freak anybody out while you're in line, don't look at your phone. Just stare at their neck. It gets weird quick, but it's fun. 
what are you looking at, sir? <laughs> so we pull out our phone. Why? Because we don't know what to do with waiting. We've got to make the time pass by. Why? Because we are all acutely aware that time is a devouring beast. Especially in our current society and generation where everything tends to be more fast-paced, everything's on demand. And I think one of the greatest reasons that we try and make the most out of our time is because we are consumed with the fear of this truth right here, that as every day passes, we are losing time. It's a big reality. Time's the great equalizer, isn't it? None of us, no matter how well off you are, no matter how connected, no matter how powerful, no matter how influential or faith-filled we are, not one of us can accumulate for ourselves more time. How many of you feel really encouraged right now, right? <laughs> like, what'd you learn at church today? Time's leaving me, right? <laughs> but I want this to actually be great encouragement. We'll get to the practical side of it as well. As I'm, just, I'm just trying to work with the argument here because I need us to all get on the same page today when it comes to the issue of time and delay, and it's this, that we are not good when it feels like there's a delay in time. We struggle with it. We don't, know how to, we don't know how to work through. We don't know if God's doing something. Just like Peter was speaking about, we, we're not sure that God's actually working when there's delay. How many of you ever thought this before? When, when, when there's a delay, we actually feel like God's not involved at all. Come on, singles. Right? I love talking to singles. I love you singles. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I want you to know that this church is a place for you to do life and do process. I'm so glad that you are a part of this community. But I have to say this. It's fascinating talking to singles. I love talking to the single who just became single. And they're like a day and a half into it. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? They're like, I love being single. It's so good. So much freedom. I can go camping and, and I can do all the things. And then talk to them three days later. Right? They're like, I hate being single. Right? Like, it's a deal. Why? Well, because we struggle with what this delay period is going to look like or feel like. And so instead of asking the question, God, what are you trying to do in the delay? We're trying to figure out how we circumvent the delay. It's getting quiet in church this morning. And so we've got to deal with this issue of delay. Now, specifically related to this piece of scripture, Peter's dealing with another aspect of delay. It wasn't just the time that God fleshes things out and uses in our lives personally. The other delay was the big, the big issue of when's Jesus coming back? And for those of us who would call ourselves people of faith, Christ followers, this is a big issue. People ask all the time, when's Jesus coming back? And I go, like there's a lot of study and we're gonna talk a little bit about this later as we get into Revelation and stuff like that. But here's what I do know. I don't know the date and I don't know the time, but I do know what I'm supposed to be doing while I'm waiting. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I know what I'm supposed to be doing while I'm waiting. And so delay is a frustrating reality. And so here's the question I want us to ask today. If you're taking notes, write this down. What do we do with the delay? What do we do during the delay? More, more specifically, what should we be experiencing as we deal with delay? And so what I've, I've done this morning and the practical side of this message that I wanna work through today is uh, I've kind of distilled down into three things that I, I believe we need to understand and grab a hold of as we experience delay in our lives. Delay personally, delay cosmically when 
in, in, in this waiting period that we are in, this side of heaven, y'all with me? There's three things that I really do believe biblically we see our experience should be as we sit in a space of delay. Does that sound good for everybody? So that's what we're gonna work through the remainder of our time. Come on, need your help today. Everybody shout number one. There's the first truth I want us to grab a hold of today. This is the first thing that we should experience in delay is that joy should be our portion. I think we need a better amen than that. Joy should be our portion. Come on, somebody. Now, I don't know, show of hands, uh, work with me here. How many of you have ever said this before? Man, I just wanna know what the will of God is for my life. Show of hands. How many of you have said that before? I just wanna know his will. Okay, I'm gonna tell you right now, okay? The Bible tells us it's awesome. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. You might not like it, but it's still his will. This is what he says. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's awesome. Some of you are like, I hope he was gonna tell me about my job or something like that. No, 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 his, right? Like, I thought he was gonna say something like, no, this is his will, that we rejoice always. How many of you agree with me? Always is a horrible word. Right? You're like, always? Like, even in traffic? Yep. Right? Even when the job doesn't go the way that I want it to? Yep. Even when the report is slid across the desk from the doctor? Yep. Even when everything seems like it's on fire in my life? Yep. Even when all my friends have left me? Yep. Even when my faith is struggling? Yep. Rejoice always. The writer of Thessalonians is helping us understand that joy can be our portion. How many of you agree with me? Joy and happiness are two very different things. I love road trips, but I haven't always loved road trips. Um, As we took our vacation to Florida this year, Eric and I got back on the plane as we came back into town, we were talking with each other, and one of the things that we said is while it was an amazing vacation, all of our vacations leading up to this point had been road trips. We get in the truck, we pile it all in, the dog, the kids, all the stuff, the bikes, and we head into Montana or Idaho or one of those places. And that's our jam. We we love that. We love the outdoors. That's our thing. And we didn't get to experience the road trip this year. And this is why I've come to love road trips is because in those road trips, I have found some of the most familial bonding moments are in the delayed moments. So I love it. The conversations, right? Good, I mean, I mean, deep, meaningful, beautiful conversations between her and I have happened in the car as we're driving and we have no other option because you can't get out. <laughs> right? Like the beautiful moments and the hard moments when they're screaming and it's like, he's kicking me and he's throwing food and she's doing this and that's just her and I. <laughs> Kids are like, what's wrong with them? We're so mature. <laughs> Road trips are a lesson in this, learning to embrace delay. Here's what I wanna encourage us with today. When it comes to this issue of time and delay, we have to learn how to embrace delay. We gotta learn how to embrace this moment between our departure and our destination. And for many of us, life right now feels like one big moment of delay. For some of you, you are waiting on a miracle right now. And you feel delayed. You're waiting for things to change. 
When's it gonna happen? When's it gonna happen? And here's what the Bible encourages us with, is that when we are in moments of delay, joy can be our portion. Joy can be our portion. Why? Because joy is a faith reality. Joy is not just an emotive disposition, it's a faith-filled decision. Today I'm going to be joy-filled. This is what Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses seven through nine. He says this, though you have not seen him, you love him, and though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving this, the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If there is nothing else to rejoice about, can we rejoice about the fact that I have been saved by the goodness of Jesus. And it's not by my own power or might, it's by his resurrection. I have eternity, and so when everything is on fire right now, I can still look forward to the fact that I have a place secured for me in heaven. Come on. So I got joy. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Some of you went to church. Okay, cool. I love that verse. See, there's a decision that all of us have to make when it comes to joy. And that's, we're going to live out of the place of joy. Joy is not a command to be happy at all times. It's an invitation to be filled at all times. Joy is not found or built from external realities, but rather it's experienced by internal filling that we have in and through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I love John chapter 16, verse 24. Listen to what it says. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. See, Jesus tells us that, something, that joy is something we can ask for. This is important because it helps us come to terms with this truth right here, that outside sourcing is incapable of producing that which only Jesus can give. Let's put it another way. Write this down if you're taking notes. You cannot outsource joy. You can't outsource joy. And I wanna make a very absolute statement. Joy is not found in any one thing else but Jesus. You may find happiness. You may feel happiness at a certain point. Like, I got a new car today, I'm happy. My car got scratched in the parking lot of the well. I'm not happy. <laughs> See? It, cha- oh, it changes so quick, but joy... That's, that's something else entirely. It's sourced from a different place. Number two, every shot, number two? There's the second thing we need, to, we need to grapple with today, and it's this, is that contentment should be our desire. Oh, it got quiet really quick. Contentment should be our desire. Once again, Paul the Apostle helps us with this truth in Philippians chapter four, verses 11 to 13. He says, I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content. Every shot, content? Every shot, content? I've learned how to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. That's, oh, that blows my mind. In every circumstance you found yourself in, Paul. Like everyone? <laughs> These are the questions I ask when I study my Bible, okay? Like, like everyone, Paul? And then he says this, I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or, or hungry, whether in abundance or or need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Many of us have heard this verse before and we apply it very wrong. 
He's saying that contentment is found through the sourcing of Jesus. He's not talking about being the number one player on the basketball team. <laughs> and that's how we move it. We, we've moved it to a very westernized reality. He's saying, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life, whether I'm hungry or I'm well-fed, whether I have everything I need or nothing that I need. I need you to know that contentment is found through the power sourcing of Jesus. And so no matter what is going on in my life, because of Jesus, I can be content. Because of Jesus, I can stand. Because of Jesus, I can keep myself planted. I'm content no matter what. Have you ever met a content person before and it drove you nuts? Come on, you know them. Where they're just like, everything's even keel. You're like, hey, what's going on in your life? They're like, everything's on fire. <laughs> exactly. You're tripped. You're like, what? Like, you're like, they're like, but it's okay. I know, that, I know that God's got this. Not because they stuck their head in the sand. This is why we get frustrated at people like this. Because they're very aware of what's going on around them. They've just said, I'm content. I'm good. I'm, I'm gonna be all right. I'm not faking that things are a mess, but I'm just learning the secret of peace, and that's being content. How many of you would agree with me that we'd all be much better if we could find contentment? Here's what I found. I found that the worst kind of decisions are typically made in moments of delay because we haven't figured out how to be content. So we, we try to make it happen ourselves, don't we? We try to shift things and move things, try to play God. There's this moment where we're like, man, God, like, I trust you, but I got this. You ever been there before? And so we, we ah, if I cut this corner here, I might be able to, this is what's funny, is we cut the corner and then something happens because we cut the corner and we say, oh, look at God bless me. And bless it, you moved it. <laughs> we can't confuse blessing with manipulation. And this is where this is where we get off because God blessing something is when you waited in the long yards of delay, and it hurt to the end, and then God blessed it, and you're able to say, "I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't do anything." to make this happen. I just did well with delay. I just hung in the delay. I just kept on walking in the delay. And I walked slower, and I didn't want to, and I'm like, oh, it's a delay today. But I kept on walking, and then all of a sudden, I stepped into something that God had for me. And like Paul, I could say, I found the secret of peace, and it's this, not to worry about what's happening around me or in me. The secret is just to be content with where I'm at and what I have, and God will do the rest. Lack of contentment comes because we struggle with time. So Proverbs tells us this in chapter three, verses five to six. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Gosh, the Bible's frustrating. <laughs> in all your ways, know him, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So um, I threw this into my message last night, so it's not gonna come up on the screen. But I felt like it was really important. Felt like God was just leading me to say this. I've found a few behaviors um, 
that I believe are seen biblical behaviors that are found in people who are content. So just really quickly, five things. Um, <laughs> I promise I'm gonna get us out of here on time. God, give me more time. Um, <laughs> five biblical behaviors uh, found in people who are content. And uh, this is the first one, generosity. Generous people are typically content people. It's found in obedient giving and faith-filled generosity, sacrificial giving. Content people are usually generous people. Content people are usually serving people. Yesterday was serve day. Over 350 volunteers collided upon this place to go back out into our valley. Come on, somebody else. What a, what a moment. And you know what I didn't hear yesterday? I didn't hear anybody worrying about what was missing in their life. Everyone was just jacked up about what we got to do in the community at large. Come on, somebody. Why? Because content people are serving people. Content people are worshiping people. Can I just tell you as your pastor, the faith-filled person that I'm in, I am, there's so many times in this front row I do not want to lift my hands and worship Jesus. There's, there's so many moments where I'm like, all right, I know what happened this week. I know my shortcomings, my failures. I know the world around me. It's so hard sometimes. But as I've learned to just find more, little tiny measures of contentment, I'm able to just once again say, it doesn't matter what's going on around me. Content people are worshiping people. Because we ultimately understand you and I can't change anything, only Jesus can change everything. Here's the, here's, the, here's the next one, is content people are praying people. See, prayer is the discipline that is needed to find ourselves grounded in a posture of faith-filled reliance upon God. Prayer is about for, like forced reliance upon God. I'm gonna pray about this. You're like, you're not gonna do anything? Nope, I'm gonna pray. That's the whole point, is not to do anything. The whole point is to pray. Y'all with me this morning? And here's the, here's the last one, this one a lot of us struggle with, but it's just the truth. I found that content people are fasting people. It's a spiritual discipline that's honestly been, been lost in our day and age. See, fasting is one of the greatest ways one can learn to reject discontentment as fasting helps us see what it is that we truly have in Christ Jesus. Yeah. As I reject bodily needs to say, God, I'm gonna allow you to be our sustenance today. Yeah. And we do that through one thing and one thing only, the rejection of food for a period of time. Yeah. That, is, that is fasting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, those are some of the behaviors that are found in content, biblical behaviors that are found in content people. Last one, number three, everybody shout number three. three. Here's the last thing that I think is uh, something that we should experience during, during delayed moments or the cosmic delay that we're in waiting for King Jesus is that rest should be our practice. Come on, rest should be our practice. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Many of us have heard this verse before. I love this verse. He says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, I've come to find that rest is a part of our portion as well. And I wanna just encourage us today that rest is not just something that you have after or in a vacation. Come on. How many of you ever said this before? I need a vacation from the vacation. Right? Have you ever been there before? Like, 
Rest is, is not found in a spa day, although spa days are good, but how many of you realize after a spa day, your toes are soft, but your heart's still hard? It's just, can we talk real? And so we go through these motions, we go through these things, and we're just like, God, oh, I, need, I need rest, and rest is, is a practice that we engage in. Learning to rest in Jesus looks like this, coming to him. Rest is not necessarily laying down, although I'm a fan of it. Rest is not necessarily taking a vacation, although I'm a fan of it. Those things, rest is not necessarily in a mental health day. I'm a fan of those things. And I think they are important for our journey, so please don't hear something that I'm not saying. But it's amazing how many times I talk to people who have done all of those things and they are still anxious. They are still fear-ridden. They are still discombobulated. They're still not rested because rest is not something that we do. Rest is something that he is. And so I rest in Jesus. And you're like, well, like, how do I do that? It's faith. At the end of the day, that's why I love this song that we sang, the, the, the second song that we did today. And, and, and Devon said, hey, even if you don't sing during this moment, rest, rest in Jesus, rest in his presence. And I know we do a lot of hype around here and there's a lot of like, and it's going. And by the time we get to the end of the worship set, everything's ramped up and everybody's going and everything like that. But man, what a beautiful moment in that song where it's like, just receive in this moment. Just let the spirit of God breathe upon you. Just allow him to speak to your heart. Rest in him. So Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And here's what I've come to find. Rest outside of anything else. Rest is the product of salvation. Rest is what I find in Jesus when I come to him and I give him my life. Yeah. It is amazing how many times I've talked to somebody who after saying yes to Jesus, they're like, everything has been lifted. And that's because it has. Because he took it upon himself. You can't produce it, you can't earn it. The rest that we find in Jesus is the rest that is found in saying yes to him and saying you be Lord of my life because I'm done being Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, come on in the church shouting, amen. I'm asking everybody just to stand to your feet right now. We're gonna pray. And for some of us in this moment, we're gonna make a decision. I'm gonna ask everybody just to bow your head and close your eyes, no one looking around. And except for our team, I'm gonna ask everybody else just to be still, hang with us for a few more minutes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. For some of us in the room today, we've already made a decision for Jesus, we've said yes. And this message today is, well honestly, is encouraging us where some of us have slipped in these areas. And, that's good, that's the journey of faith. It's working out our salvation. But for others of us in the room today, we've yet to say Jesus. We've yet to say yes to Jesus. We've yet to make him Lord of our life. And I wanna give you that opportunity. I don't know where you're at in your journey. Maybe you've been here for a few weeks now. Maybe this is your first time today. But man, something inside of you right now is changing and you know it. So we're gonna pray a prayer all together today so we don't leave anybody out. And this is what we would call the prayer of salvation, but there's nothing fancy in these words. It's just a prayer. The power is what's in our heart, and what comes out of our heart. 
and what comes out of our mouth as we declare Christ to be king of our lives. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask everybody just to repeat this after me as loud as you possibly can so we don't leave anybody out. Everybody say this after me. Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. I'm sorry for doing it my way. And today, I am choosing to do it your way. You are Lord of my life. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name.